This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Next to scarcity, most issues in the world has happened because of religion. Religion was created to improve the quality of life of individuals. Religion became the single most reason why people have lost who they are. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, Mahatria. Welcome. So before we get started with your powerful dose of wisdom, I want to do a little bit of an introduction to you because you are not what it seems. So I'm going to paste Mahatria's entry here from Dharmapedia. Dharmapedia, I guess, is a Wikipedia for souls. And read his story because it's fascinating. Mahatria was a brilliant engineer. In 1988, he was 23 years old. He set up an engineering consulting company called Gray Matter. And his goal was to be successful in business. But as he went through life, and Mahatria will probably share the story, he realized that there was so much more missing And this is when he went on a quest to develop a new operating system for understanding the world. Now, that operating system is called infinitism. And infinitism is sort of like a divine path to transform the way you live in the world. Mahatria started gaining a huge following, especially among Indian CEOs, which is really fascinating. The words he used, his explanation of wisdom, really started speaking to people who were at the top of the leadership level across India. And soon word of this man spread. Mahatria wrote this book. It's called Unposted Letters. When I moved into my new apartment over here, there were only two books I brought with me, Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yogi and Unposted Letters. This was the only two books that I brought with me in this new apartment that I moved into a couple of months back. I didn't even have any copies of my book. Now, why did I carry this book with me? As I was going through the pandemic, life was, I went through some pretty hard times, shifting countries, shifting lives, and unposted letters, look at that, it has sold 2 million copies. This is a remarkable book. When a book sells 2 million copies, you know there's something special about it. When you feel you need help, you just open it, and the right wisdom is on the right page for you. So we're actually gonna do this test right now. I'm going to open the book, Okay, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to set an intention that the right wisdom, the right quote comes out as we open this for whatever we as a collective community here is watching. Now, some of you might be watching this, a recording of this in the Mind Valley podcast. Welcome. Some of you might be checking this out on YouTube. Welcome. This is what I get. The quote says, improve your capability, increase your capacity. That's progress. Stop thinking this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way it has to be done. Don't suffer from tradition paralysis. Nothing grows on ice. If we let our past freeze our minds, new ideas won't sprout. Stop backward regressive thinking and start forward progressive thinking. 
absolute perfection in any human endeavor, from building satellites to rearing children, is unattainable. There is endless scope for improvement. Successful people know this. That's why they don't ask, can I do it better? They know they can. So they ask the question, how can I do it better? Thank you, Mahatria. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for that beautiful quote. And Mahatria, welcome to Mind Valley. Hi, Vishen. And hi to all the audience. So Mahatria, we have 360 people here today with us live. And then when we get the recording out, it'll probably be another 50,000 people who listen to this. But I'd like to start. Tell us where you're at. And I mean, you look like you're in a spaceship right now. Everything is so brilliantly white. Tell us where you're at and what's going on in your life right now. This is my personal home. I call it my temple of silence. It's absolutely my personal home. Everything is white here. That's how I want it. And a lot of people tell that white is difficult to maintain. And I tell them so is character. And for me, white tells me the importance of purity for your spiritual evolution. So I try to keep everything around me white. So that is why you're seeing everything so white in my room. That's beautiful. Now, we have about 50 minutes together. I'd love to make this a free-flowing conversation because I know one of the unique things about you is you just churn out wisdom. You don't need any preparation. People can ask you any questions. So there are two ways we could go about this. We could start with questions or we could start with you delivering to us any words of wisdom that you feel this community best needs to hear right now. I'll just give a three-minute introduction to something that makes everybody curious. And from then, I'll take whatever questions you ask me and I will answer them. Every time people see me for the first time, the most thing they are curious about is my hair. Okay, why does he grow so much hair? Everybody is curious about. So before that comes as a question later, let me straight away answer it. When I was about 40, I saw my first gray hair in my mustache. And it bothered me so much that I stood in front of the mirror, took eternal time to pluck that one gray hair out so that nobody will notice it. Somehow it turned out to be one of the biggest turning points in my life. That day I realized a little blemish in the exteriors of how you look bothers you so much. And yet internally there are so many blemishes. Sometimes you feel jealous, sometimes you lust for things that do not belong to you, you go through negative emotions, you are envious of what others achieve. And because all these internal blemishes are so implicit and not visible to the world, it doesn't bother you much. And it, a little gray hair, a wrinkle here, a scar there, and we get so bothered about it. That day I realized that a bottle must be clean from inside, not necessarily outside. So I brought in this discipline into my life that for two months every year, I will not see myself in front of the mirror. Purely to tell myself, who you are is more important than how you look. And it brought about so much change because it made me watch my thoughts. It made me watch my feelings. It put me in touch with the reality of who I am. Just this one thought that who you are is more important than how you look brought about so much shift in me. 
And very soon it became my identity. In fact, people referred to Maitreya with this body language, Maitreya, as if, you know, this ball of hair. So this is their body language. So since it became the identity, I have left it like this. And now it saves me several minutes every day. That's also the point I want to share with your audience, Vishen. A father came back from work one day and he was reading the newspaper. His six-year-old daughter insisted that, Dad, you should play with me. But since the father was so engrossed in reading the newspaper and he was not interested in playing with the child, he saw a full-page advertisement in the newspaper of an international courier company where the world map was printed and they had shown that they deliver goods all over the world. In a moment of situational brilliance, the father tore that sheet of paper, further tore it into multiple sheets, scattered the pieces all over the floor and he told his daughter, darling, this is your jigsaw puzzle. Now assemble the entire world map together and once you are done, dad will play with you. Thinking he had bought time, he continued to read the newspaper. In less than 10 minutes, the little one called out to the dad and said, see, the world map was already in place. The father was stunned. How could a little girl finish it in less than 10 minutes? The child told the father, let me be honest with you, dad. As you were tearing the paper, I saw there was a face of a man on the other side of the paper. I don't know where Europe is, where Australia is, where Asia is, but I know where a forehead should be, where a nose should be, where the ear should be. And it seemed the child concluded, Dad, I got the man right. The world became right. So the essence of the entire work that I do is to appeal to people. It's not about what the presidents of the countries are doing. It's not about what the scientists are doing. End of the day, it's about what are you doing with your life? If enough of us in this world can get the man right, then our world will become right. And this is the essence of all the work that I do. So that's essentially what I also represent. Who you are is much more important than how you look. Yes, Vishen. Beautiful story. Thank you, Mahatria. Mahatria, tell us about your part what made you give up engineering? What made you go down this path as a spiritual teacher? Initially, it happened because a postgraduate lady, unable to handle the emotions of her marriage, she jumped from the third story of a building and ended her life. Those very passionate about software and completely involved in that, some of this incident had shaken me to the roots. I couldn't resist but ask this question, what is the use of our education system? I know it's a detour, but that's one area where I truly appreciate what you have done with your life and mind valuation. In a world where so many platforms have been built for information exchange, it makes me so proud that you build a platform for transformation of human lives. Because what are we doing with an education system where we are so interested in teaching history to children without teaching them how to create history? We are asking everybody to be the best 
but we don't teach them how to deal with failures. We are asking everybody to be competitive. We turn their own classmates into fellow competitors and yet life is all about getting relationships right. There's so much focus on teaching language, but we never teach communication to children. Somehow in the loss of this one life, and she was a very high qualified lady. I realized she didn't know how to handle the challenges of life. So what do you do with all this academic knowledge? If eventually you cannot deal with the day-to-day -day challenges of life. So one day I told myself that the world does not need another thermometer to show whether there is fever or not. What it requires is a few doctors who can solve the problem. Everybody is using their intelligence to show there is a problem. Instead, can you dedicate your life to go and show the world this is the solution? And that resulted in the birth of whatever I did. It started on February 14, 1995. And I started teaching people that life is an alternative, death is not, all these my talks, life is beautiful, life is a game. Everything is to tell people that there are choices in life. There are alternatives in life. Just because you took a path and there is a take diversion there, we don't give up the journey. We take the bend, we take the detour and there are alternatives. But as they started teaching, I realized suicide is only one form of death. When I started working with people, I realized the amount of unutilized potential. People don't know what to do with their potential. People don't know what to do with their time. People don't mind being just another statistical entity in the world population. They do not want to do justice to what they've been given. A little prod, a little push. And most importantly, the right environment of growth is required. So I realized that it's not just about preventing physical death, but it's also about preventing psychological death of people not doing justice to what they can do with their life. And that's where this entire mission grew. We believe in a few things. One, we believe that scarcity has created all the problems in the world because poverty has phenomenal political mileage. More number of people are poor, then more number of people are dependent on the government. So the government will keep talking about poverty, but they will not do anything to eradicate poverty. And scarcity has created terrorism, scarcity has created war, scarcity has turned brothers against each other. So one of the vision of infinityism is to instill into the DNA of Children, right from the time they are in school, that abundance is your birthright. The child of a king cannot be a beggar, which means we as the creation of that abundant God do not have to live a life of scarcity. And when I say abundance, I'm not just talking about wealth. Abundance of health. I've heard some of your talks about how Mind Valley has the highest ratio of six pack in any corporate in the world. And I think it's such a beautiful gift that we have, human body. And 
Proved science is available. So abundantly healthy, abundantly wealthy, abundantly loving. If Indian mythologies have to be believed, even gods had problem with relationships. Which means, as human beings, if we can get relationships right, you get one upon God. So how do we become abundantly loving? Why should relationship be a nightmare for people? Why can't it be a celebration? And how do you abundantly root yourself in spirituality? Not religion. Not religion. Religion is a dogma. It's a cult. Spirituality is a science. And how do we take the science to people? So the essence of infinityism is to seek abundance, holistic abundance. Two, next to scarcity, most issues in the world has happened because of religion. Religion was created to improve the quality of life of individuals. Religion became the single most reason why people have lost who they are. Religion says love, but religion becomes the very reason people hate. So one of the vision of infinityism is to tell people, find your own religion. If there are 7.3 billion, to fit 7.3 billion people into six religion only is creating all the problems of the world, scarcity of religion. 7.3 billion people, 7.3 billion people to choose their religion in life. You choose your own religion. After all, what's there in religion? The essence of all the religion is only four things. You can have volumes and volumes of scripture, but the essence of all the religion are only four things. One, how to develop concentration of mind. Two, how to develop matured value systems so that your intelligence is discriminating well. Three, how to develop emotional maturity so that you are able to choose the right emotions with which you live your life. Peace over disturbance, love over hatred, happiness over sadness. And four, you need an anchor of faith, which they call as God. There are only four. I'm telling people, if you like that particular style of meditation, and if it is from Buddhism, take it. If you like this value system that says, do unto others what you want others do unto you, pick it up from Bible. If a philosophy that is explained in Bhagavad Gita is giving you the emotional maturity to be peaceful in life, take it up. Why should you be a prisoner of any religion just because you are biologically born into one sect? How will it be like how a cardiologist and a dermatologist meet each other and discuss about each other profession? How will it be one day if we all meet each other and find out, hey, what do you do to achieve concentration? Hey, that's inspiring. I also want to pick it up. So how do you handle setbacks in life? And this is how I handle. Oh, that's amazing. I think I'm going to internalize this. I'm sorry, I'm going to copy your style of how you're dealing with challenges in life, but I think I'm going to aim this into my life. And all of us, there is no one guru in the world. We all become... Like Buddha said, Sangam Saranam Gachami. We all learn from each other. What sort of humanity we'll be able to build? And the third and the most important is we have compartmentalized life. We feel if you're happy, you can't be successful. 
if you are materialistic you can't be spiritual this men can do girls cannot do this is an indian eastern stuff and this is a western stuff we have compartmentalized everything we live in a universe an integrated universe the higher and higher you go in life everything integrates the lower and lower you come in life everything gets compartmentalized so essentially with these three aspects how do we build a world of abundance how do we help every man to dare to choose his own religion and three how do we live a life of this and that when and is possible why choose or with these three objectives the mission of infinitism is going on oh my god that was profound and thank you so much for daring to say things that most people would not dare say i want to make sure this really sinks in you said the three objectives of infinitism could you summarize the three objectives 1 2 and 3 one scarcity has created all the problems in the world so we need to desire holistic abundance Two, seven point three billion individuals cannot be confined into six boxes called religion. That is an insult on the individuality with which every human being has been created. A little detour. I know I, you asked me to only summarize, but I want to say this vision. We live in this mighty universe vision, and in this mighty universe, there are millions of galaxies. and in that our galaxy milky way is only one speck of dust in terms of size in our milky way there are millions of solar systems and in that our solar system is only one speck of dust in terms of size and in our solar system earth is only one speck of dust and within earth with 3/4 water and 1/4 land humanity is only one speck of dust and in humanity vishen is one speck of dust mahatreya is one speck of dust do reverse visualization you one speck of dust and i one speck of dust around the 7.3 billion people then planet earth then the solar system then the milky way then the entire universe and yet there has never been another vishen and there has never been another mahatreya you alone sound like you i alone sound like me i cannot get behind your eyeballs and see life the way you see life you cannot get behind my eyeballs and see life the way then how can 7.3 billion unique rare original masterpieces be fit inside six boxes obviously it create problems in the world so matriya is saying let each one of us find our own religion find the discipline with which you can develop the power of mind because you need concentration of mind to develop power of mind develop maturity in such a way that you have absolute clarity of intellectual discrimination with which you live your life it need not be borrowed from scriptures you can author your own life in fact i write all my columns under the title destiny designing telling people let's design our own destiny develop emotional maturity so that you are always able to choose the right emotions in all circumstances and find your faith the third objective which you asked me to summarize is when and is possible why are we choosing or 
Let's not compartmentalize life. Let's live a holistic life. I love it. I love that. That's so beautiful. Now, Mahatria, I know that you've developed this, this incredible following among CEOs. In fact, how I heard about you was that Rajesh Shetty, who is a brilliant Silicon Valley CEO and an advisor to Mind Valley, was the person who introduced us. Why do you think that so many business leaders have decided to soak in on your wisdom? One, I think I'm giving the world new definitions to live by. And I think people love my definitions. I think they have lived with some meaning for every word. For example, my definition of God is that on which you have faith is your God. That is not Krishna or Rama or Jesus or this thing. For Thomas Edison, his faith was science. So for him, science was his God. For somebody else, it's something else. That on which you have faith is your God. So there is no our God, there is only my God. Each one of you have to find your God. So like that, there are definitions. And one of the definition is life is a game. Vishen, our relationship with anything in life depends on the relationship we hold towards it. That depends on the definition we hold in our head. It seems a disciple once asked the master, how do I call you? Do I call you by name? Do I call you a master? Do I call you a teacher? Do I call you Bhagwan? Do I call you Guru? Or how do I call you? How do I see you? And it says the master replied, if you call me by name, you become a contemporary. If you call me a teacher, you become a student. If you call me a guru, you become a seeker. If you call me Bhagwan, you become a devotee. If you call me a coach, you become a trainer. If you call me a lover, you become a beloved. And it says the master smiled and said, how you call me makes no difference to me, but it makes all the difference to you because it's a question of how you see it. You see work as fun. You don't need a separate hobby. You see work as an audience, then you need a separate hobby. You see your spouse as your best friend. You have a soulmate for a lifetime. You see your spouse only as a sex partner. Then there is only physical gratification. You miss the intellectual involvement. You miss the spiritual experiences. You miss the emotional togetherness. So everything about life depends on what is the definition you hold in your head towards anything. That means we need a definition to this thing called life. It can't be an ordeal. It can't be a struggle. It can't be called unfair. I call it a game. I love what you say and it resonates with me. But what about the hundreds of millions of people, say for example, in a country like India, that are living in poverty. How would you explain this to people who are begging on the streets, people who are living in poverty, people who are in slums right now? So one of the things that we go and help these people to understand is this. Charity will keep a poor person poor. In fact, the most sugar way by which you keep a poor person poor is by practicing charity. We try to help these people to understand 
education and employment alone can lift you out of your poverty. If you wait either a Mother Teresa or for a government to come and feed you, your next generation also has to be fed. So you're all not poor because of God. You're all not poor because of government. You're all poor because you have not taken the only two gates that is required for you to come out of poverty. One is education and others employment. So we ask these people to seek employment and we empower all the existing infinities to try and give as many employment of, in fact, every infinities organization, since you keep talking about the CEOs, all of them have a goal. They cannot measure the growth of the organization only by the top line and bottom line. One of the criteria for all of them to measure their organization growth is to how many more people have I provided employment this year? Because only improving your profitability is a very selfish growth. But if I can grow to an opportunity where I can give employment to hundreds of thousands of people more and lifting the entire world along with me, so while at this end, all the CEOs are given this goal that year on year, the number of people they provide employment must grow. At the other end, we educate these people saying that let this generation seek employment and let the next generation be educated. And that is the only way you'll come out of poverty. I really like that. Thank you for sharing your viewpoint on that. So Mahatria, let's go to some questions from people. So Sabin Karma, ask a top question. It's the current leading question. And Sabin says, how do you effectively communicate to others that the solutions are within themselves when they have learned to believe that the solutions to their problems are in the external world? One of the most important road sign that I feel very attached to is U-turn, because that's the only thing that's in your control. And when I say U-turn, I'm not just talking about making yourself a door. But you have to find out what is the most effective approach with which you can empower others. The reason is the quality of a painting is the responsibility of a painter. The quality of a statue is the responsibility of a sculptor. No blaming is allowed. Similarly, every individual has to own up this. The quality of my life is my responsibility. No blaming is allowed. If you want to take infinitism in just four words, no blame is allowed. Because as long as I think the problem is out there, that something out there has to correct itself for my life to become better. And yet we find history is full of people who braved situations which were far more tougher then what we wrestle on a day-to-day -day basis and emerge. Why? Because they took the responsibility in their hands. So the first teaching itself in infinitism is, I understand my life is my responsibility. So always visualize somewhere in the back of your head, a road sign that says, you turn. And that is where you take the ownership of transformation. Beautiful. Thank you. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous and there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. 
I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. We're going to go on to another question. This is from Carolina Rodas. And Carolina asks, if you have a magic wand, what three things would you remove from the human experience to start our journey from scarcity to abundance? Lack of education. Mm-hmm. You can see there is a humongous difference in how people execute choices on the strength of you know, educated choices. Otherwise, you think you're born to follow and you live. So the first thing I would do is remove illiteracy from the world and see if we have an educated world. Two, I think we have kept happiness on that side, love on that side, and somehow we feel if all these conditions in life are met, then I will experience love and experience happiness. And the goal of every goal is happiness. And the goal of every relationship is love. What if we shift this entire paradigm where we have a world where we don't do everything in life for happiness. We start doing everything in life out of happiness. If success is not seen as a means to happiness, but success becomes an expression of happiness. I'm so happy. I don't know what to do with happy. Like Pile said, when Pile played his first season for the league in Brazil, and at the end of the season, when he got paid, it seems he came home and told his parents, how is this for a life? I'm allowed to do what I enjoy and I get paid for that. And won't all of us live that sort of a life if the paradigm becomes nothing for happiness, but everything out of happiness. And similarly, we don't go into a relationship looking for love. We go into a relationship out of love. So if happiness and love becomes the basic pedestal from which human beings live, it's not aspirational, it's given. Like how your heart is beating involuntarily. Like how all your central nervous system is working involuntarily. Loving and happiness should become the natural fragrance of every human being. We will live in a very, very different world. So the second thing I will seek is that. And the third thing I will seek is what will it be if there is no selfishness in the world and we are all selfless naturally? Selflessness for me simply means I will go into any situation looking at what I can give and not what I can receive. If there are the three premises on which we can live, 
that every day i want to grow in maturity by self educating myself to happiness and love will become the fragments of my personality three i will go into any situation or any relationship always looking at what i can give than what i can receive if these three becomes the basic dna of humanity we don't need another heaven this is heaven plus let me repeat that because that was so profound the three dna of humanity the three basic dna of humanity that can bring paradise on earth number 1 is grow every day in terms of our maturity and wisdom two was always go into any situation with happiness and love did i say that right let happiness and love become the fragrance of your personality i'm using that poetically because you can't separate the fragrance from the flower and the third one is go into any relationship asking yourself what can i give rather than what can i receive i love that beautiful mahatria my next question is what is our responsibility as citizens of this earth what do you think is our our dharma our duty in the world to solve some of the the issues which are facing the human species from the pandemic to war to climate change what attitude do we go in as we look at these existential problems there is no one answer to this because it depends on what resonates with each one of them so one of the things that i would appeal to all of them who are sub 25 in this audience why to be a leader not a follower because see from that position the right things you will be able to influence in the world are phenomenal phenomenal because we so satisfied even people go to harvard and stanford and do their business management and happily take up a job and sit in employment it's not about just entrepreneurship what will it be if we have some good characters becoming presidents and prime ministers of different countries so there must be this aspiration if mahatma gandhi or nelson mandela were all just mere followers what sort of potential we would have lost from this world look at the amount of samaritan initiatives that bill gates along with warren buffett is able to do because they are in leadership positions so it's very very important our education system does not prepare us to become leaders see our entire education system was created when we needed millions of people to serve the army millions of people to become farmers millions of people to go to factory to work so our entire education system is designed to create mass number of similar skilled people even now the system is the same it is designed to create followers so unless there is a lot of individual enterprise to be a leader we are missing out on so i think the responsibility of a few of them is to aspire to lead the world in the right direction and develop those requisite qualities to financial surplus in the hands of a good human being will build a better world financial surplus in the hands of a bad human being will destroy the existing world i repeat if i have a financial surplus and i have good value system i will use it for constructive reasons in the world but if i have financial surplus and i am in a characterless role 
then i'll be using it to terrorize the world to create bombs to destroy the world to get involved in drug trade and all other things right now what is happening vishen and this really makes me bleed sometimes internally most good people are so contented that they don't want to be aspirational ambitious they want to be contented they are saying i just want to live a contented life but every wrong fellow is so aspirational so the money is going into the wrong hands and then we are all blaming for what is happening to the world what is happening to the world if the good doctor does not do enough work then people will go to the bad doctor if the good doctor can do enough work why will they go to the bad doctor so every good human being has the moral responsibility to be rich you should not desire financial adequacy you should desire financial abundance so that you have so much of financial abundance that can be used towards the larger world and the third there is no age bracket for all each one of us have to own up a responsibility in our life we are living up to the responsibility the world will continue to benefit much after we die it could be anything it could be just turning your street green it could be as simple as that that you will ensure in your lifetime in the next 25 30 40 years the street where you live in will be turned green and even 50 years after you die there is still greenery in the street it can be that. it can be to compile the life lessons and leave a book which acts as a reference manual to some of the pertaining issues that's there in the world become a scientist do research and find the cure to one of those deadly diseases that exist there some of you get into science why should we keep talking about what is a problem what is a problem till 1974 petrol was a problem it's not a problem anymore we have enough alternate fuel everybody is saying that drinking water will become the biggest problem in the world and yet 3/4 of the planet is water now common sense i'm not a scientist the same saline water from the sea evaporates and goes up and when it comes back it becomes drinking water so 3/4 of the planet that water is available why can't one of you evolve the science by which you will create a technology by which all the saline water can be evaporated into the atmosphere and through some device brought back as drinking water then water is not a problem anymore so like that each one of you sitting here irrespective of your age even if one of you sitting here is 77 i want you to write a book on all the lessons you learned in life through your 77 years and even if 10 lives out there in the world can benefit out of your book and their life becomes better you have created a legacy so i want everybody to feel a sense of responsibility towards something we don't have to solve everything in the world if thousand of us can take thousand responsibilities and in the next 25 years thousand problems in the world can be solved i'm borrowing the word you use sometime back we live behind a paradise on earth beautiful i really like that message of all of us doing something to help better the world even if it's simply greening our street that's a beautiful message so i want to ask another 
question that has come up here. This is from Shruti Saganaria. Again, this question got a lot of votes. And Shruti asked, Dear Mahatria, how can we make relationships a celebration? And I guess we can expand that question. A lot of people are looking for your advice on what is a truly thriving relationship? The first and the foremost thing about relationship, human beings are creatures of emotions and not creatures of logic. However intellectual we try to sound, end of the day, we are all creatures of emotions. So unpredictability is the very nature of a human being. Most of our relationship problems comes because we expect predictable response. If I appreciate you, I think you will appreciate me in return. You don't have to. You may not. In fact, I'll do a small mistake and my small spouse will fight with me for one hour. And next day I'll commit a huge blunder and she'll lovingly forgive me. The beauty of human relationship is in its unpredictability. Otherwise it will be boring. In fact, when you come back at the end of the day and ring the doorbell, you don't know whether there is a smile on that side of the door or whether there is a frown on that side of the door. And unpredictability has to be celebrated. Lot of our frustration in relationship is because we expect predictability from human beings who are basically unpredictable. Two, you have to accept there are no perfect relationships. Because a human being is fundamentally imperfect. How can an imperfect raw material give you a perfect finished product? Every human being is fundamentally imperfect. And relationship is the amalgamation of imperfect individuals. So you have to give up this desire that there are perfect relationships. Even in a story, only the last sentence reads, they lived happily ever after. So you should accept imperfection as the very nature of relationship. Having done these two, then take two important steps in life. One, always remember, it's not the question of whose mistake, it's a question of whose life. We are so bothered about proving the other wrong, not realizing by proving your loved one wrong, you can't get your relationship right. By proving anyone wrong, you do not get a relationship right. It's not the question of whose mistake, it's a question of whose life. Your happiness, your life is also getting affected in the entire process. And last but not the least, I understand when ego comes, everything else goes. When ego goes, everything else comes. You have only two alternatives. You can drop ego and celebrate relationship or you can celebrate your ego and that will eventually drop the relationship. So either your relationship can thrive or your ego can thrive. Both cannot thrive together. It seems a crow was flying, holding a piece of meat in its beak. Only to realize a lot of other birds were chasing it. Very soon the crow realized all the other birds are not actually chasing me. They're chasing the piece of meat I'm holding between my beak. The crow split the beak and dropped that piece of meat. As the piece of meat was falling, all the other birds went after that falling piece of meat. And now alone in the sky, it seemed the crow remarked, in dropping the piece of meat, the entire sky became mine. That's exactly what happens in relationship. By simply dropping your ego, you have nothing to prove. 
you have nothing to prove. In fact, the moment you give up this desire to prove anything in the world, you get liberated. And you start celebrating a relationship. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Mahatria. I love that. Drop your ego. You have nothing to prove. And on that note, we come to an end for this conversation. As we wrap up, any closing words of wisdom? Whether you call it God, whether you call it nature, whatever name you call it, the greatest of all the creation is a human being. Bible says God created human being after his own image. The Veda says the Jivatma descended from the Paramatma. Quran says every creation descended from Allah. And science says Man is a biomagnetic field descended from this cosmic magnetic field. The greatest blessing has already happened to us. That is, we are created as a human being. Nothing needs to be added. Nothing needs to be removed. We have to simply live up to the glory of being a human being by celebrating being a human being. So all I want to say is celebration of days, every day, celebration of every day, is life. Celebration of rhythm is music. Celebration of movement is dance. Celebration of work is success. Celebration of blessings is happiness. Celebration of relationship is love. Celebration of life is living. Celebration is life. Live to celebrate. I love you all so much. Thank you, Mahabia. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quote. And thank you all for joining us. For those of you listening online on our YouTube channel or our podcast, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can learn more about Mahatreya by Googling Mahatreya. There's a ton of resources and websites out there. You can also go to Mahatreya's website, Infinitism. Let me spell it out for you. It's I-N-F-I-N-I-T-H-E-I-S-M.com, Infinitism. And check out Mahatria's book, Unposted Letters. It sold 2 million copies, and it's a beautiful book because it's something you keep, you keep on your coffee table, you keep on your office desk. And it's a book that you don't read from cover to cover, but you open, you pick a page, and you look at the wisdom that you need to listen to on that particular day. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Mahatria, for joining us. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. 
Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.